Yeah, so we uh, got tickets to the Duke game in the 2003 NCAA tournament. And uh, what happened was a massive blizzard, and basically everybody got snowed in the dorm. Yeah. And there was, like, no way for any, anybody to basically get out. So I think they were, like, $60 tickets, too. Um, easily worth Which it. at the time, see. yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we couldn't go to the game. And then CSU actually played Duke pretty well, but Duke and J.J. Reddick came through in the end. That's funny. I, I was just talking with Derek Stevens, who was on that team. I've talked to uh, Michael Morris a couple times in the past. and Oh, yeah. yeah he mean, was the best CSU... dunker I've ever seen, too. He was insane. It sucks that there's, like, almost no videos from that era. Like, there's the crazy Purdue game, you know, in 2004 mm-hmm. or whatever, and, and I wrote a 2,000-word feature on this in 2020, the greatest shot, like, never seen, basically, because that game wasn't on TV. There's no live version of it, like, yep. anywhere online. It's just, like, this great myth amongst Ram fans and the people that were actually fortunate enough to be there. And I was not at that game. I was home for Christmas break. Um, and my dad's a Purdue alum. So we were following it online. And all of a sudden, CSU got like six points in a second. We're like, this has to be a glitch. <laughs> you know, that was like old school game casts. Um, we're like, this can't be right. And then we found out about it. But yeah, like you said, like video is so hard to find of any of that. Um, and I mean, just the idea of a game against Purdue not even being televised. is just, uh, yeah. Growing up in general, I think that's why I wasn't as big of a CSU basketball fan as I was CSU football. Is just I could watch CSU football. I could only watch, you know, a, a small handful of CSU basketball games on TV. It'd be like if they played CU, it might be on, you know, like Fox Sportsnet or whatever it was back then, or you know, a really high profile game, maybe Wyoming or something like that. But it was it was really only a small handful. Oh, absolutely, and I mean. Uh, there were some really fun players on all of those teams, but the teams weren't always very good. And, you know, I like going to school there, just the idea of seeing a division one basketball team, like for free walking across campus was so cool to me, no matter what, but it was really hard to get friends to go. Like I had a few, um, good, you know, big sports fan friends that would always go with me, but otherwise there was just no buzz about it. It wasn't like football. Um, and so now it's really, really cool to see all these sellouts and to see everybody really, you know, enjoying this team and realizing how fun Moby can be and how fun this basketball program can be and is capable of. And especially when you got a great coach now, too. So, yeah. Before we get into that, something to keep in mind for our homeowners with prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that and make the bubble work for you. If you're in the buyer's market, you know how stressful trying to buy a house is right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially in Colorado. It's just, it's an absurd housing market out here. And that's why you want to work with my friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, because they're going to take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate some of that stress and just take some of the worry off your plate. They have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you go to dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. As mortgage brokers, they're able to shop over a dozen lenders with many products to find the right fit for you. They want their borrowers to know who they're working with and not feel bounced around. They take the time to help their borrowers be as informed as they want every step of the way. And Mike and Virginia will take the burden off folks so they can focus on their home being a home, not just a house. 
Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, go to dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. How does this, you know, for you as an alum and just like as a, as a college basketball fan, how has this run compared to, you know, like the peak Tim Miles era at the end? Like, has this been on par, like more fun for you um, or, or just kind of different? I don't, I don't really know. This has been the most fun I've had as a CSU sports fan. I think this team the last two years, like, uh, I mean, David Roddy, he's going to go down as the best player ever here. I don't know. If the stats will totally back that up. But I mean, the guy is just on another level and he's so incredibly fun. I mean, he's an all American deserving player right now. Um, and who knows, maybe he's back next year. I, I selfishly hope so, but best of luck to him. You know, um, but Isaiah Stevens and all these guys, are, it's just the team together thing really is a great motto. And Nico Medved is just a coach that totally gets it. Um, he's just a level-headed, reasonable guy, and he connects so well with all of them, and he stays even-keeled no matter if they're losing or winning. Um, I think he's just a guy that he's really, really easy for the players to buy into, and they, they can see that it's genuine. Um, and it's just a fun style of basketball to play, too, I think. And just to, as, a, as a fan, it's like this is such a likable group. Every single player on the team, um, you know, every once in a while there's a bad egg or just somebody you can see might not be the best, whatever. Um, this whole team is really, really likable and fun. And it, that's part of the thing that like when they lose, I, I'm not as angry about them losing as like, uh, I want them to be in the NCAA tournament. I want them to make a run because I think that these kids deserve it and they deserve that opportunity. So I, that's a big part of it is rooting for a good group of kids to get that chance. I think that's spot on. Just having gotten to know them obviously pretty well over the years. This is, this is easily, you know, been my favorite team to cover just, they're all good. You know, they're, they're easy to root for. They're, they're humble, like in, in moments that are good or bad. And it's just, it's so rare. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you though, is, you know, we're, we're kind of in a bubble, obviously here in Fort Collins, Denver Metro area, just in terms of people here recognize how good CSU is. I think on a national level, the Mountain West is getting the most respect that it's gotten in a decade, but you know, talking to people about college basketball, is that a sense that you get that CSU at this point, you know, is, you know, a national brand, you know, obviously, you know, making a, a run in the tournament, you know, getting those games would, would greatly help that. But is this a team that is being noticed in, in areas beyond just Fort Collins and in Denver? Oh, absolutely. I think I have like a lot of just general basketball fans that talk to me about CSU basketball now that never have. And David Roddy, for example, just wows everybody. Like he's must see TV for any big college basketball fan right now. And I mean, I think you're just seeing like a lot of the major college basketball analysts on Twitter, et cetera, um, tweeting way more about this team and, you know, Roddy and Stevens and just how good of a coach Nico Medvedit and how legit this team is. I mean, that's been going on, you know, beginning, I would say this past off season when everybody realized they arrived, so to speak last year. And that all these guys were coming back and they were adding Chandler Jacobs. Um, and especially with, uh, you know, like Kata leaving last year and Matt Mitchell and 
Jordan uh, Shackle, that's his name, right? I think. Um, yeah, Jordan Shackle. Where I think CSU was just basically viewed as the favorite too. So a lot of people have been paying more attention, and that's never ever been the case, never. And uh, I think then when people actually do watch them, they're like, "Wow, this team is really really fun, and really easy to root for." Um, and they're just so unique too. I think like the way they're built, you don't see um, a six foot five, two hundred fifty five pound guy dominating seven footers sometimes, or um, a six foot and five ten backcourt, you know, work so well. Uh, they just play such a unique brand of basketball. And a lot of people are like, well, this can't work or it can't be that, um, you know, long lasting or sustainable. But they they're twenty two and four after deserving, you know, being deserving of the tournament last year. They would have made the tournament last year if not for Georgetown and Oregon State having those two teams you know, who dealers. very much come back to earth this year. Absolutely awful. I was shocked Oregon State almost shocked uh, USC last night. But yeah. It's just it's not their year at all. But as uh, a, yeah, as a mean, CSU guy, I'm you know, I'm not rooting against them, but there's a small part of me that's like that's for that's for taking the bid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um as far as the CSU team goes, because you know you're a big college basketball guy, you're you're constantly posting about the Mountain West, which I love. There aren't that very many of us out there that are you know actually watching other Mountain right. West games, you know, that are into it, that enjoy this league. That's one thing. Like, look, I think everybody wants CSU to you know move on and and get to a bigger and better place someday. But I do think of of all the non power leagues that they could be in. It's it's a pretty fun one. It's got a lot of unique history with these schools. They played each other. There's you know backstory and all of it, and there's a lot of talent with this CSU team. It's obviously been a little bit up and down at times. You know their their losses have been kind of bad ones outside of Wyoming. They've kind of gotten blown out. Are you right. worried about them just in terms of consistency, or like you said, I mean? Yes, they do have those kind of outlier losses, but they're 22 and four. And especially when you expand that sample size to the, the last two years, the consistency is there. Right. Well, I think for sure it, you know, in the big picture, it works. Like there's some people that I think worry about a rebounding or first of all, I think they don't really care as much about the rebounding, especially on the offensive end compared to the usual team. Like they want to make shots. If you're getting a lot of offensive rebounds, you're probably missing a you're lot missing of shots. shots. Yeah. You know, um, so I think some they're they're willing to give up on some things, I think, to do what they're good at. And, you know, I they they still haven't quite shot the same since the layoff. And Nico talked about that even before this layoff. He talked about how last year the same kind of thing happened where they just weren't quite the same shooting team as they were before. I don't know um if that's like a real thing. I mean, I'm sure it hurts the rhythm and stuff some, but um I think at it, this point. Weird. It's just more of a confidence thing with a couple of these yeah. guys. And like, and as Kevin Lytle pointed out, you know, defense has changed. People aren't John Tanjay and non-conference play. They were just giving him the three because they were right. like, we're not going to let Roddy and we're not going to let Stevens beat you. They're not going to do that now because he can drop 30 on you. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, it is kind of concerning when the shots aren't falling because they're, you know, they're a top 20 offense and, like every major advanced metric and everything. And I think they're 19th in Ken Palm offensive efficiency rating, um, but their defensive efficiency rating has been on the other side of 100 for most of the year. I think they may have finally cracked it after it's the like last game. It's like 98 now, I think, yeah, after the which, last one. That was such a huge game for me. I mean, just 
obviously beating Wyoming and getting the resume booster and all that's huge. But winning a game like that, I think, was so important because that was going to have to happen at some point where, you know, your offense was still okay. Like David Roddy had, I don't even know, 27, 26 points or yeah. something. Yeah, and Chandler Jacobs had 18. Um, but otherwise, it wasn't really a very crisp offensive game. And that you thought that that was going to have to be a game where you probably win it in the 80s or at least high 70s. And they they held, I think, EK and Maldonado to, what, like 5 of 19? Um, and they, I think those guys had nine turnovers, like, uh, that defense really, really stepped up in that game for 40 minutes. And I thought that that was really, really important to see because we know that they can do that. Like I thought the second half at New Mexico was brilliant defense where all of a sudden, you know, Jalen, uh, house and, uh, Jamal Mashburn jr. And all those guys just all of a sudden couldn't hit anything. Um, and then, um, what was I going to say? Uh, same with the the Boise second half. I That's thought what I was going to say. Boise, Boise, I mean, they hit a couple of tough shots, but the the yeah. effort and the scheme, like it, it was there. You know, they were they were consistently right. making everything hard. Right, but I thought that this was finally a game where they just clamped down for forty minutes, and they were going to have to do that at some point because there's going to be nights that the shots aren't falling. Um, you know, there's there's going to be nights where the especially as you travel to, more. Exactly, and I mean when you're facing all these teams i mean it's a gauntlet these last like two months let's be real it's, i mean even I, I was telling everybody like about the new mexico game how terrified i was before they beat wyoming just because um, they got great it's scores hard, it's an altitude yes. it's a hostile right. environment there's a bunch of factors there and that was like the easiest game probably for a while yeah. on paper you know um and now obviously it's like a quad one quad two game all the way through uh, and you're going to have to step it up on defense and bring that intensity for 40 minutes more. So I think that was really, really good to see. And I mean, the biggest thing I think, uh, obviously Roddy is Roddy and that's the main reason why they win. Um, but I thought the last three games, Chandler Jacobs just totally changed the game on both ends. Uh, like his offense, we, we know that we, we I mean, we've known that there's going to be a game like this last one. I think at some point, uh, the guy was a ridiculous score in D2. And I know that D2 isn't D1, but he was shooting over 40% on threes and just everything. Like I wasn't Go buying watch the videos that. too. Like, you know, right. like he the was, dunks and that stuff. Trends. Right. Right. I think that that was just more a matter of him, um, you know, his role and just getting the confidence and being assertive. And I loved how he talked uh, after this last game about how he went into this game, you know, thinking that way that I'm going to attack and I'm going to be assertive. And I think that's really, really big for them because he is a heck of a talent on both ends. And I think in half courts, uh, half court sets, especially he's a guy that can actually drive and slash where sometimes they get kind of stagnant or just re relying on Roddy to save them. That's a really good and, point. Yeah. Um, Jacobs, Jacobs can take the ball on the dribble and he can get the line. And he's, he's like the one guy out there that you like, he, he looks like a big 10 kind of player. You know what I mean? Just the way he's built and the way he plays. So he's a really, really big X factor for them, especially when you're talking about the Mountain West tournament and beating NCAA tournament kind of teams. I would, I would maybe put Tanjay in that conversation too. I agree. Healthy. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you can see definitely he he has lost a little bit of that explosiveness playing with the knee injury, and I mean kudos to him for. I for didn't this think out. he would be back, and he was back like a game later, right? Yeah, I mean, it's insane, it's, and he's yeah. playing the best defense of his career. So again, like this isn't right. me taking shots at Tanjay and. Right. In any form, but yeah, I would agree with that. Just Chandler's ability to put the ball on the floor. Obviously, you know, he hit a couple of big threes in, the, in this Wyoming game, and that was mm -hmm. huge just because the offense 
as a whole really wasn't there outside of Roddy. But man, that just the I think it's just the composure of this team that makes me most confident. You know what I mean? Like they're relatively the same post game after they win by twenty or if they lose by twenty. And I know that right. frustrates people at times, like when they lose and you know they're given the mellow response and some people you know like they oh where's the passion but i think that's like their greatest strength is just that they they don't get caught up in the emotion of it all absolutely you don't you know like nico medved will probably be the first one to say you don't want to get too high or too low like yeah that's those are the ebbs and flows of the season you want to stay level-headed and not get too caught too confident or too uh too excited if you get a big win um and not get too let down if you have a bad loss because these happen to everybody aside from maybe gonzaga you know like um everybody gets blown out uh everybody has blowouts like that's just part of the season and you have to i I think that's huge like you said these guys are so poised and that's something that you get with an experienced group um whereas like some of these big time programs like a duke or kentucky they're they're incredibly talented teams but it's a new new team every single year pretty Mm -hmm. much new talent and I think that's that's something that you just can't really teach that chemistry and that experience and just that poise that you know learning to play together and all that. Nico is just like the perfect coach, I think, to keep them even keeled and keep the eyes on the prize, et cetera. Outside of of UNLV, obviously, which has just proved to be kind of a, a tough matchup for CSU, and I will say to the people that don't understand just how talented of a wing Bryce Hamilton is, this guy's going to make a lot of money playing basketball. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, who's the team that you would most like to to avoid, I guess, in this Mountain West tournament? Because for me, I think it's probably Wyoming. But I think San Diego State has a really good argument, too. Are you talking the entire tournament or the first round? Because I think it's just like it's like a gauntlet. You're going to have to be like good teams. There's no way around it. But yeah, if there was one team outside of UNLV, who I think at this point is the easy answer of like, we just don't want to have to face them. Other yeah. than it's it's tough to beat a team three times, so maybe the CSU has that working for them. Who's the one group though? Or if you were like, I get to pick, CSU's not gonna face them. They they just they don't have to go through San Diego State. They might have to beat Wyoming. They might have to beat Nevada. They might have to beat Boise State. But at least they don't have to play the Aztecs. Yeah, like I I mean I think the Aztecs would scare me the most, um, just because of the physicality and they're just it's just a different differently built team. I mean they're the number two defense on Ken Palm and. They're just so physical and Mensa is a really, you know, tough shot blocker. They're just, it's a different style of ball. Now, if CSU had kept that 20 point lead, maybe I'd be like, Hey, I want to face them again. You know? So there's probably some confirmation bias or recency bias or whatever <laughs> with all that. Um, but like you said, Wyoming is Wyoming and them are very, very, very similar, like in every metric and just the way they play, they got, they both got the inside guy. They can do the 20 and 10. They got the guard. I mean, well, usually Hunter Maldonado is scoring 20-plus points. I think he's done it nine times in the Mountain West this year. I don't know what happened with him in that game, but I'm happy about it. Uh, And, you know, then they got the Jake uh, Drake Jeffries three-point shooting. So they just can beat you in, I think, so many ways, like you were alluding to. But then Boise State's a really balanced team, and they have, like, a top-10 defense, too. And um, CSU missed ACOT in the first matchup. But then again, Max Rice scored, like, 20 points and that was the dumbest thing ever uh so i don't really know if acot would have changed things honestly that's classic boise um, state though they always yeah and like justinian jessup was a much more gifted scorer than than max rice is but like that you know just 
random dude that they have that goes off. I was rolling my eyes that whole game. Like I wasn't getting mad at CSU or anything. I was just like, give me a break. Like this has to stop eventually. And it did finally slow down a bit, I think in the second half. Um, but yeah, that, that was CSU probably could have won that game by 10 plus just by things going as you'd expect. And Max Rice, not pulling out crazy shots out of his behind, you know? So, um, but also I, I think that the conference is just full of these teams though. I mean, um, the team that they play next uh, scares me a lot too. I, I know that Utah State's got, I think, 13 losses, but they're a top 50 Ken Palm team. They're a, a really, really balanced team by all the metrics. They're they're, they're just probably missing one a of the point most, guard. I, I really think it. Yeah, like, they I agree. Everything else they do, like their front court is really, really scary. Horvats, I think, been having some games like Bean lately. Um, they're a really, really strong team on both ends. So, like. I could see Utah State losing anybody and I could see them winning the whole thing. Like I feel that way about I feel that way about UNLV too, where I mean even, even like Fresno, Nevada to an extent. Right. Like, could I see Cambridge right. and Sherfield getting hot for three games? Yeah. Absolutely. Like that might be the most talented backcourt in the entire conference. And then they got Will Baker and Warren Washington's back. Like from a talent perspective, like if you put the Nevada team in like NBA two K, you could probably win as many games with them as anybody else. Like uh, that's not their issue at all. And you never know if they're going to get hot for two or three games like that. Like that happens. That would hard. That would be, that would be less surprising than when CSU won the tournament to face Duke, like I was talking <laughs> about, you know? So there's teams like that up and down. I mean, New Mexico is probably going to be the easiest game that somebody could face and they could beat anybody too. Like you just don't know on a given day. So yeah. New Mexico or Air Force. I would say, like Air Force at the Academy is kind of wonky, but mm-hmm. they, they traditionally I don't know what it is. They they I feel like they get out to Vegas and they're just like, this isn't our vibe. And then right. they don't play as well. But right. I agree. Um and I, I like Fresno State, we shouldn't forget about either. I know they've been sliding a bit lately, but they still have maybe the best NBA prospect in the conference. And, you know, they, they could beat anybody too. Like there's just top seventy teams all over the place in this conference. So uh, it's going to be the most unpredictable conference turning, turning, I think, ever, honestly, for this conference. Well, and what's cool is, like, even before we get there, I mean, at this point, Boise State, they're in the driver's seat. They kind of control their own fate. Um, right. But, I mean, they got to go to UNLV. They got to play Nevada. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a very realistic scenario in which they lose a game. And if Wyoming, you know, they have to go to UNLV as well. If they drop another game, then all of a sudden that March 5th game is going to be to decide who wins the Mountain West. Absolutely. Like, I could easily see Boise losing all those games. I mean, as just a, like they could easily win by a lot. Like, it's it, these things are all in play for sure. And, yeah, we had, we now have to root for UNLV, um, both to beat these teams, help CSU. And for one, I mean, if they keep winning, they might be like a top 75 net team, which would give CSU... <laughs> Quad one and two games, you know, instead That's of that the thing. quad three I loss. A, so, I have a column coming out on it, and I was, it's basically why Ram fans have to root for the team that swept them. And it's absolutely. exactly like you want UNLV to beat Wyoming and Boise State. That's best yep. case scenario because yeah. it juices the metrics and helps those uh-huh. losses look worse, and it gives those teams the losses CSU yeah. needs. Right. CSU wouldn't have a bad loss in that scenario. And I still don't think they have a bad loss. Like, I think UNLV in reality right now is like a top 50 basketball team. Um, and especially for that particular matchup. Uh, but you know, just when the committee is just, just looking at the team sheets and the quad stuff, it looks a lot shinier if you don't have one in that three and four range. 
and especially when you have 10 quad one to two wins right now. This isn't like last year at all in that regard, you know. I I got, you know, probably 15, 20 tweets between my personal account and the DNVR Rams account after the UNLV game, just like, kiss March Madness goodbye, you know, this and that. And <laughs> Guys, like I understand why CSU fans are a little bit bitter. You know, they've they've come out on the short end of the stick with this process a couple of times, but I've made this argument too, and CSU fans don't like it. When the Rams, when that 27 win team got snubbed in 2015, like the metrics were awful. Like their schedule, oh, yeah. the schedule was terrible. Like it, it was nothing like this. If anything, I would say the team that last year got was a bigger snub than that. And I know that sounds maybe a little counterintuitive because again, that was a 27 win team, but Wyoming yeah. stole their, stole their bid. They won the, the Mountain West tournament and they swept CSU yeah. that year. Right. And talking last year, I mean, like I, I have the numbers here. That team was 51st in the net, um, which is fine, but not really like an eye popping thing. Not a guarantee. Right. They were two and four quad one, one and two quad two. Their, their whole thing was that they didn't have any bad losses. But their best non-conference win was Santa Clara, which would be like, that would be like beating like New Mexico or something on a neutral court. Like that wasn't like a, an amazing win to have on your resume. Whereas this year they walloped Creighton, St. Mary's. They got another win versus a top 50 to 60 team in Mississippi State. And they've beaten everybody in the conference except for UNLV. But I mean, they've beaten all of the like quad one, quad two, top four teams. So and UNLV might like, end up being a quad two team when it's all said and done. Right, exactly. So this is like last year's team was deserving of being in, but they didn't have the big wins. And this year's team has a lot of them. And like I said, I mean, you, if you want to call the UNLV losses bad, like I get it, especially because they were 15 to 20 points or whatever. I was going to say, but, the outcome I could make that argument, like the fact that they lost big, I think you could make an argument right. against that, but it's not like you're getting beat down by San Jose State or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like these other teams, like Wyoming has the New Mexico loss, which again, isn't that bad in my opinion, but it looks bad on paper. I Especially guess. on the outside um, for the people that right. are watching these teams. And then Boise has, I mean, Boise has two pretty rough losses. They lost at UC Irvine. Uh, they lost versus Cal State Bakersfield at home. That like, one's crazy. I, yeah, I, I don't, they, they lost that game by seven points. I don't know what happened that day. I did not watch that game. And I'm guessing that if we replayed that one, Boise is probably a much better team now and whatever, but um those are on the resume. And so, yeah, I mean, when you're saying like people are like, oh, season's over when CSU loses to UNLV, like most of these teams in this kind of like 20 to 50, 60 territory or whatever all have a pretty rough loss or else they wouldn't be on the bubble or in this situation, you know? So, um, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, I think, now. And I, I think, too, UNLV is the case where I think the committee is going to kind of be aware of how well that team's playing right now. And they won't just see a quad three loss. At least I hope not. And same with like Creighton, whatever that one ends up. Like, I think Creighton's going to be an NCAA tournament team probably. Um, and beating them by 14 points on a neutral court. Like, I think that might've been the most impressive win of the year. Like TSU just took it to them and shot lights out and scored 95 points on a neutral court. And that team, I mean, that team's beaten Villanova. That team's beaten Marquette twice. That team has beaten UConn. They lost uh, Nebhard for the season, which sucks. Um, but 
they're still a really good team. And I mean, they could, they could win the big East tournament. Like that wouldn't shock me at all. So and they're still scrapping uh, like even without yeah, them. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to be a well, quad one, but I think for all intents and purposes, it is like, it's going to be a big shiny thing still on the resume. So uh, I think it looks really, really good. And like, if we want to go to that dark place, if they, where they lose out or whatever, which that's not fun, but, Let's say hypothetically they lost the next three. So it would be three games, right? Um, I'd be worried all... at that point. I would still yeah, feel I would be pretty worried. good about, but I would be a lot more worried at that point. Right. I would absolutely be worried. And especially if the eye test momentum gaining steam phrases that they frequently use, how much does that matter? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, the talk would definitely be negative at that point. And there's so many similar teams in our conference, but let's just hypothetically say that happened. Well, they're a 22 win team. Now they would be 22 and seven, I guess they would probably still have nine, 10 quad one to two wins or whatever. Uh, they won't, wouldn't have another bad loss unless somehow they matched up with like New Mexico or something. They're probably going to be playing a quad one, two team in the Mount West tournament and Utah state game will be a quad one. The Boise will be a quad one or two. It'll be a quad one probably if they lose to Boise, you know, so, um, like those losses in themselves probably don't hurt you that much unless you're blown out. Like we just saw Wyoming didn't move a spot on the net after CSU just beat them by six. San Diego state moved up three spots after they lost to Boise, which kind of rolled my eyes at it. Um, but the point is that like those losses in themselves frequently don't kill a team on the metrics. That doesn't mean that they're not still a big deal. Uh, and the committee will look at other things and they'll consider this and that. But like, I think CSU, if, if they lost out, I still think that they would probably be a more deserving team than last year, re- resume wise. Um, I would, agree. I don't know if I the think committee... even if they lost out, I think they'd still probably be like a 12 seed playing right. somebody in a play in make maybe right. they're a play in game worst case, but I think more than likely they'd be playing the winner of a play in game as like a right. 12 seed. Yeah. And obviously we don't want that that whole situation. And I, I think that they'll probably win at least one, hopefully two or three or four or whatever, um, or just the whole entire mountain West tournament. <laughs> I mean, but let's just win five um, straight, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, when you're just talking about this, like what if bubble kind of thing, um, I, I think they would still be deserving. I don't know. I, it wouldn't be a lock by any means. We'd be sweating it out. But uh, a big thing right now is the bubble is just not that good this year. And like, the ACC is not that good this year. They would probably be like a three bid league right now. They might get a couple more or whatever. Like maybe that's the thing is those you don't want to open up the door for like a 500 Syracuse to get in over right. you. And I don't know exactly. what that record is, but just in right. a random example. Right. And the Pac-12 is not good this year. I mean, aside from Arizona, UCLA, and USC, who again almost lost to Oregon State. So unless you're Bill Walton, who has eight Pac-12 yeah. teams in the field, I. I tweeted that out actually from the offline announcing account. I don't know if you saw that yeah. video. Um, that was me doing that tweet, but yeah, he, I he think he knows that he's like, I think it's a bit to be honest. Like, oh, I think is, like yeah. he, he's like, nobody else is going to have the pack 12s back. So like, if I don't have the pack 12s back, then like, who is it's like me with exactly. the Mountain West, you know, like if, if another Mountain West guy's talking trash about the Mountain West, oh, that's fine. But if a pack 12 yeah. guy starts talking about the Mountain West, I'm like, you get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like with all that too, I, you never know what happens in March, but I would be a little bit surprised if there were 
the Georgetown, Oregon State kind of bid stealers in those big conferences this year. Like, I just think that the the best teams in those conferences this year are probably quite a bit better than those second tier teams. Um, but again, you don't know what happens in March. But I just think that uh, aside from this conference being so good right now and CSU and all these teams having good good resumes, they're also going to benefit from how not great the things are around them this year. Whereas a lot, a lot of years, the bubble would be much more challenging and there would be more bid stealers. And, you know, like I said, stuff could still happen, but on paper, I think that things are set up better for the conference than some of these people are telling themselves because they're just expecting the worst when it comes to a non-power conference, you know, uh, but it's just not really that great out there right now. So I think, I think the Mountain West is in pretty good shape for at least three, honestly, but we'll see. That's what I'm hoping. If, if if they get three, I'll be really happy. I mean, two, I'll be satisfied just because, like, at least there's representation. Three, really happy. Four would be incredible. It feels like a long shot to me just with the, like, I feel like San Diego State would have to probably win out in the regular season right. and then still make the, at least make the championship game in Vegas, mm-hmm. I think. I, I don't yeah. know. They're, they do seem to be pretty comfortably forecasted in amongst a lot of bracketologists, but. I think that they might be the most interesting case in the entire country right now because uh, they're 23rd on Ken Palm. They're like, I, let me see, they're somewhere right in that 30 to 32 range on the net, the 31 on the net. So the metrics love them, but they only have five quad one and two wins uh, compared to seven losses. And they just really haven't, I think, stood out aside from a couple of those blowouts like against CSU and whatever. But um, I don't know. Like they probably need to win a few more games. I think of these of these four teams, I feel like they're the team that probably has to go out and win games more. And I, I think the San Diego State Wyoming game coming up that's going to be a huge game for both teams. And that's probably going to if you win that game, you're probably in that right side of the bubble or safely in territory. And if you lose, you're going to have to win a lot. I think probably the rest of the way. So I think that one's going to be as big for Wyoming, but maybe not as much as. Uh, San Diego State. We'll see. It's gonna be wild, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I know that you are too. Um, hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet one dollar on any team, get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with the same game parlay. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on any NBA team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Guys, March Madness is just around the corner. And if you're going to be chilling, watching games all day, you're going to need some tasty snacks along the way. And if you're in the metro area, I got to tell you about my friends at Sexy Pizza. If you've ever been to one of the DNVR Broncos tailgates, we had sexy pizza at every single one. It is the bee's knees. With 13 years in the Denver community, sexy pizza is as local as it gets. 
a hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. You can choose your own adventure with a wide range of toppings or try one of their signature philanthropies. A portion of every sale of these five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. Looking, if you are looking to have sexy pizza, support your organization or event, go to www.sexy.pizza and check out their about page for the donations link to see how sexy pizza can support your cause. With a 12 inch, 16 inch and an 18 inch crust, sexy pizza is sure to have the right fit. They have all the fixins with wings, salads, pasta, knots, dessert options. They have a vegan option. They have a 12 inch gluten-free crust and you have a can't miss hit. You really cannot miss everything they have slaps. Stop by any of their four Denver locations in Cap Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, or Park Hill. Or if you're out in Trinidad, they just had a location open out there. Go check it out. You will love it. I should have asked you about this at the beginning, but I was so eager to talk about CSU. I just kind of got right into (laughs) it here. But you're a man with a, a very... Diverse presence online, I guess I should say. You got you're running yeah. all kinds of Twitter accounts, awful announcing, oh, yeah. and you got your personal account, and you got tweeting about the Bears and the Rams and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just so, so people are aware, just to, to give them a little bit of a background, like what what would you call your title? I guess is it like I don't um, even know how to answer this for myself, so it's kind of bullshit of me to ask it of you. No, but, no, no, like, no, no, no. I'm. So I'm, I'm officially like a managing editor at the comeback. And then that's part of like comeback media is part of it's the comeback and awful announcing. So I'm basically an editor at off announcing too. I write at both of them. I basically like three to five nights a week. I'll be running those sites and the Twitter accounts and stuff. So a lot of the, the Twitter videos you see from the comeback or awful announcing are frequently me. Um, but then, yeah, I, I used to have uh, Cubs and Bears blogs. I'm a big Chicago sports fan. Um, My guy Eddie Hers loves that. He's all he, yeah, he's a big fan I, of I everything talk, you do. We yeah. <laughs> he and I DM about the Bulls and Bears and Cubs a lot. Uh, he's great. He's great. But yeah, I I'm all over the place. Like I, I probably should have just done it all in one account, but I just uh, I don't know. Uh, I got a few accounts and you like live and you I learn got, with all this social yeah. stuff you know what i mean like i had two accounts at one point because i wanted to have just a personal one and then i was like it mm-hmm. became too much and then yeah once i started having to manage like other accounts on top of mine i was just right. like all right i one for me and the other accounts i have to manage but i can't do i can't handle more than one but you're a denver sports fan in addition to csu right like, yeah for all your teams so it's like it all lines up better i think when you have all the colorado teams together it definitely does but there was like a couple of years where I like kind of felt like I couldn't tweet about anything other than CSU. Mm-hmm. Even now, like I try and keep it like mostly for what my audience follows me for. But yeah, I've, I've chilled out a little bit on that where I'm like, look, man, if you can't handle me tweeting about music once a month, <laughs> then like unfollow me. <laughs> I, I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How did uh, so how did how did you get into all this? Were you involved in? student media at CSU? Is this a path that you knew you wanted to do? Um, like we followed each other on, on Twitter for quite some time now, but this is the, the first time I've ever gotten to talk to you. So I'm just kind of curious, like where your, your background came from. Yeah. So I actually, I'm this was in high school way back. I actually started writing for 
um, a Cubs website for free, which I probably shouldn't have been doing or I should have had an official internship or money involved or something, you know, but um, it was actually a really good thing for me just to find out that I enjoyed doing this. I would write game recaps and previews, very basic stuff. This is, we are talking like 2001, 2002. So I mean, way back. Uh, I just started doing it for a Cubs like website as part of like the scout.com network. Does that even exist now? I, I don't know, but um, it just kind of kept going that way. And then I started you know, doing my own blogs and everything in college. And I just started getting really into it. And that just, yeah, it just started like that. And then that became what I, I kept doing. I, I wasn't even a journalism major at CSU. I was actually an English major. So I, I majored in communications. So I yeah. ended up taking most of the journalism classes, but that was a, again, you live and you learn. I, I didn't, I, yeah. When I got to CSU, I interned for Jim McElwain and I thought I was going to be a football <laughs> coach and all this. And then I realized that that's like the worst industry you can go to. And it's just like getting fired and going from school yeah. to school. And yep. I was like, yeah, that's I'm, exactly what it is. I'm not on yeah. that. Do, yeah. uh, do you do, uh, do you do this full time or do you work another job outside of this? Yeah, I do this full time. Like I, it's, uh, probably way more work than it should be at times. Um, Amen. Like editing, I think I didn't realize how hard of a job editing was, I think, until I started doing that full time and editing. It's thankless and miserable, um, dude. It's it's like, it's it's totally thankless. Um, it's rewarding. You know, sometimes times, I, you, but... Yeah, you get selfish sometimes too, I think. Like somebody will, you know, Somebody will have some article that blows up and I did just like any editor does a lot of work in there that's hidden and yeah, it's thankless. You don't hear about it. And so there, there's some selfish moments where you're like, Oh, come on. Somebody recognized something I did, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just how it is in the industry. And that's how it'll always be. And um, it's a lot of work, but I enjoy it. I like, I, I learned in the last decade that I enjoy that. And, but I mean, I write a lot too, and I enjoy that at the same time. So between those duties and running social media accounts and uh it's it takes up way more time i think than like i realized it probably would and that i think most people would so yeah that's what i do and it it's it, it sounds so stupid but sitting at a computer it can get so exhausting like it just it no, people that don't do this type of stuff for a living don't under like they think it's just Look, like, yes, technically speaking, I, on a work day, might sit on my couch all day with my laptop yeah. and not leave. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah. it's not just, you know, dinking around, you know, I oh, yeah. research and I take notes and I read, yep. and I, like, it, even, like, family members where I'm just like, you're never going to understand what I do. That's exactly. Fine, you're never going to understand it. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I enjoy talking to you about it, but when somebody else asks me about it, I try to keep it very brief or I, like change the topic just because I know that they're not going to quite grasp it or it's going to lead to 20 follow-up questions about how that works or how do you make money off of that? Or how does this, you know what I mean? So it's just an industry that you, just like a lot of jobs, you don't really uh, quite grasp it until you're involved with it. And there's a lot more, I think, uh, under the curtain than you'd realize, you know? Totally. And, and I mean, I'm, we're kind of going in the weeds here, so I won't, keep on it for too long but just like the editor stuff you know when i was quote unquote running you know the sports department at csu for student media i was just i realized that i was like 
I'm a good reporter. I'm a good writer. I can broadcast. I was like, I am a terrible editor. I just, yeah. I, I had a hard time like focusing on other people's work, but I, it was very important to me individually to be like, look, you would want somebody editing your work to give it, you know, the proper time and care that it would take after you, you know, you busted your ass on this piece. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like, you got to do that for everyone else. But it was so hard for me. I just had to like force myself and I was just like, I don't care. It's, yeah. It wasn't something that I pursued. I just kind of started doing it at this job. Just naturally started happening. And then I realized I kind of was like a stickler for it or that I was, I guess, better at it than I assumed. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. And especially when you become such like a grammar Nazi and everything, and <laughs> I probably put way too much personal effort into it sometimes that I should for my own well-being. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely challenging and it's not nearly as easy as people would assume unless you're just giving an easy pass on anything, you know, and letting whatever publish. So, Well, and just like, I mean, like all the, like we said, you know, it, unless you've lived it, you aren't really going to understand it. But I mean, right. like, That's so as rewarding as, as, what I do is, you know, like there's also moments like after the Wyoming game, for instance, mm-hmm. I really wanted to write something special. You know, I was like, this was a great game. The atmosphere. I was like, I don't want this to just be a, you know, like a normal, it was a six point win in Fort Collins. You know, I was like, it's like the first hour and a half of like trying to write that article. We're just like started. Right. Oh, that's terrible. Like delete right. started, you know, and just the doubt that it's seeks like in. an internal like, war with yourself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, Sometimes writing the first paragraph can, yeah, a headline or first paragraph can take so damn long. And just like once you get going, it's way easier, but mm-hmm. it's just that whole beginning and what angle do you want to take and et cetera, because that's like frequently the whole, that's what gets people to go and read your site. And it's all, it's, <laughs> it can be a mental battle for sure. And you do incredible work, by the way. Like I, as a CSU fan, I appreciate it so, so much. Well, thank so, you, man. That means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those, you know, kind of like what you said, kind of, I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started. I was just kind of like, I am mm-hmm. really passionate about CSU. And I was like, I, I feel like this is what I would have wanted to consume. And it wasn't really out there. And that's right. kind of, I guess, like how I've tried to approach it is what would be interesting to me, like if, if I wasn't doing this, but I was just the the subscriber. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a mental battle, and especially if you care about it. You know, that's the thing. Is to some people, it is just the job and the way to make money. And um, if you're you're really putting your mind into it, it's it can be a big grind for sure. I don't, to be honest, some of those people that just do it for a job, I don't know how they even survive because it's just it's yeah, such I, a commitment. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I think I would just get burned out to a point where I was like, oh, I yeah. could make money doing something way less stressful mm-hmm. than this. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, man, I, I really have enjoyed, you know, getting to talk to you and not in person, but get to see your face yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. for the first time. And I hope we can have you on the pod again. It was great to get your thoughts on, on the Mountain West. Um, I, I will have to get you on when football comes on. Are you excited for Absolutely. the Norvell era? I am very excited for it. Um, I wanted Tazio gone before he was even hired, basically. Um, you are not alone there. Yeah, I just everybody tried to warn on that one. Ugh, and it went exactly 
exactly as I figured it would. And the, I mean, the final game, like I, I'm pretty sure I wrote about that one where he was ejected and it was just like, like cherry on top, you know, it was just so fitting and the perfect way to go out. Sadly. Getting blown um, out an empty stadium. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I really like the Norville hire. Um, you can just, maybe, maybe he's selling me. I don't know, but I, I'm buying it, you know, and, uh, he just comes across as very, very genuine. And I, I prefer passing football over, you know, old school. Me too, man. Like, look, I get that you can win that way and you, you do have to be able to run the football. I'm not one oh, of yeah. these people that's you have like, to do both for sure. But yeah, but also when you're have the, the best tight end in the country and he has one mm-hmm. red zone. Tight one end, or touchdown. T- yeah. Goodness. Getting tongue tied there. Oh, one God, touchdown that was in the probably the most, that was the most frustrating thing would be like first and goal with the eight and run up the middle, second and goal from like the six, run up the middle. Halfback dive, baby. Yeah, exactly. And that was constant. It's like, do you realize that you have the best tight end in the country and you have the worst red zone offense? Or I don't know if it was officially the worst, but it would be hard to be worse. And they just like treated him like he was invisible. It was just mind blowing, mind blowing. And so I think that, uh, Norvell's offense is going to be way more fun. You know, we'll see how how that results in wins and losses. But um, I think he's definitely already got this culture way more inspired than it's been uh, in a long while. I would say, like probably a little, since little year one or two, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I was not nearly as excited about that hire personally as this one. Um, all the same, I, I just think that he just seems to get it. And I mean. Another big thing out of that is taking so many players from Nevada, a team in your conference, you know, making that team worse and making your team better. And you already know that there's several guys in there that are quality football players, which helps um, the foundation. It's so much easier that way when you already have all these pieces before you get into the recruiting, which I mean, to evaluate a college football coach, it'll frequently take two to three, four years because they get, have to have their recruiting classes and everything. But this was a rare case where he just got so many of these guys over and of a team you're trying to beat. So that's just a big plus, I think, too. Yeah, this whole situation was just so unique. It's going to be... I don't think this is necessarily going to be the norm in college football because mm-hmm. just, you know, interconference hiring head coach to head coach does not happen very frequently. And with CSU being, you know, a Mountain West team with Nevada, it obviously the, you know, the talent translates, you know, like if he would have gotten the Oklahoma job or something, which was one of the ones he was supposedly involved with, you know, like, is he going to take all 13 of these Nevada guys? Probably not. Like, you know, maybe it's like two or three, but I don't know that that game in Reno is going to be hostile. Oh yeah. That's, that's going to be a wild one. And, I mean, if I were a Nevada fan, I'd be pretty pissed too. You know? Oh, totally. And I tried to make that clear throughout. You know what I mean? Where I was just like, look, I'm super excited. But if, yeah. the, if the shoe were on the other foot, like we'd be oh, yeah. pissed. It sucks. It sucks. And we, I mean, we've been through it with, you know, McElwain leaving. And, which, hey, I, I always understand when they take the Power 5 job. But when they're taking the, you know, I, it, this is a better job in reality. But it's a lateral move when you're talking same conference and all that stuff. Like, like, I mean, this really doesn't happen very much. Does it? Like there's the Craig Smith thing where he went from Utah state to Utah basketball, which is a, that's a great heel move too. Right. Right. But 
that one's at least going to a you know a power conference and yeah. Um, but Utah's not very good this year either, so that's not working out so well so far. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if you're the team of this school where they left from, that's it sucks, and that's just unfortunately the reality of the business. And that's why it's so so big. Um, I think for CSU too, if, when we're talking like Nico, like oh god, just you know, I, I hope they just keep paying him what they have to pay him and do everything they can to. It's not a, it's not a conversation I like having. Um, one of the things that really kind of drives me crazy watching CSU, I get why they do it. I'm not blaming the broadcasters, but you know, that in the NCAA tournament, like let's say they win a game, it's going to come up repeatedly, you know, where is he going to be next? It's, it's just so hard. Like we're trying to enjoy this moment as CSU fans. You can't even let us enjoy this moment. We already got to think about what's, but it's the nature of the beast, man. I, I, I totally yeah. get it. It's just, I hate that. And I do think, sorry if I'm getting too carried away on that one too, but um, I do think that uh, and if he were to leave, which I, I first of all, uh, first of all, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I think that they have replacements in place to just keep this thing going, like how, how they've been going. I, who knows if you can replace Nico Medved and exactly what he does, but I think that these guys on a staff would have a pretty seamless transition if given the chance so i would be all for that i don't think that it would be like a situation like many in the past where you're just kind of left like oh god what do we do now um so again and i think it gives you the best chance to potentially keep your roster in place exactly you know today is maybe the most valuable component of of a hiring if you're being elevated Mm -hmm. so and i like i the guy needs to do what he needs to do, of course. And he's deserving of taking whatever job he wants. Like I would not for a second, even have anything against it, but uh, I would guess that he's pretty picky about it. Um, and that he's not just going to take any, any job, especially over what they're building at CSU. And especially if potentially keeps getting a pay bump or whatever, you know, who knows? I would agree with that. I mean, obviously I can't speak for him. Um, mm-hmm. I've learned to say, never say never even right. with anyone you know you just these guys are competitive they want to compete at the highest level but do i personally think nico medved would jump ship for like to make half a million dollars more at like I don't, like a kansas nebraska. state or something <laughs> or yeah in nebraska like a place that traditionally is not competed well and is going to have a lot of obstacles when he knows as long as right. I do have the support here, you can make the tournament on a year-to-year basis. Look at San Diego State right. and Mountain West if right. you're recruiting, if you have right. the institutional support. Right, exactly. So, again, like like you said, I mean, these guys need to do what's best for themselves, and they're competitors that want they want that big opportunity, and they deserve it, you know? So, we'd never hold anything against them, but selfishly, I, I, I hope we can keep them around for a while. Me too, man. Me too. It would be a... It'd be a real gut punch, especially I at least one more year. That's all I'm going to say. Just at least one more year. Yeah, I agree. Get multiple tournament appearances and then you do what you got to do. And I think exactly. everybody would look at it. It would be a situation where I think most people would predominantly be rooting for him to succeed. Right. Even absolutely. now, I think that with what he's built, I think people would mm-hmm. be able to like look at where we are now versus when he came in. Oh, yeah. But I think there would be a little bit of hurt there just because the the knowing like what if it's like football with McElwain of well yeah but look at all the talent man if you would have just came back for one more like 
maybe that was the year that they go to the elite eight or something. You know what I mean? Like it, I think if he gets one more year, people would look at it, but Hey, let's just keep extending him. Let's make it a Dutcher situation, you know, Absolutely. pay him whatever he wants. He's worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I, I think that it is, it is becoming just a, um, a job to be more proud of. And just like, I think there is reason to actually want to be there now for sure. Um, I do too. And Fort Collins is great. And the culture that, he's built and everything there is just so great that I think that you can accomplish. I mean, I, I don't know about being the next Gonzaga or whatever, because that's just so damn hard and all that, but um, there's no reason that they can't remain like a damn be the next Utah. program for a long time. Just be yep. competitive in football and basketball in a major exactly. conference, you know, like exactly. that's all I want. I, you know, I'm not one of these guys. It's like, a national championship or bust. Yeah, that'd be yeah. incredible. For my alma right. mater, like, I'd probably get a tattoo if they won a national championship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I just want to win some games and be relevant, man. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what is so, so fun about this team right now. And and they're so likable while doing so. And, uh, let's hope they can keep winning. I really don't want to have the uh, sweating out the final day sort of thing. And Like we talked about it earlier. I, I, I think that one more win would, like, cement it. Um, I do too. I think you beat Utah State on Saturday. You have nothing right. else to worry about. What, no matter right. what happens in Vegas, even if you get bounced in your first game, right? Obviously, we want to win the conference tournament and want to get better seating and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of just getting in, I think that one win would probably lock it up. And when I think about saying that, then I'm like, well, then they must be in at least fifty-fifty kind of shape now, regardless, right? Like, we'll see. Before I let you go here, this is just a, a matter of opinion. Would you rather be an 11 seed than an 8 seed? <laughs> I think about this way too much. Trust me. Me too, man. Um, Trust me. <laughs> I, <laughs> and the, I would, the thing is, you have to beat good teams no matter what if you're going to make a run. And so it's kind of silly. But it's hard not to, especially when we have already lived through this experience where right. you beat a Power 5 team, you're feeling high and great. Now we've got fucking Louisville in the second yeah, round. Exactly. It's like, that was the I saw CSU as an eight and, in Duke's region. I was like, ah, oh, that'd be such a bummer. Other than yeah, getting the, to play Coach the, K in his last year. Yeah, the very worst would be getting in the Gonzaga region too. I mean, like, I mean, I like, I love what Moores is doing, and Thomas is sometimes having really good defense, et cetera, too. But having to deal with like Holmgren and Timmy in round two would just be like come on, man, this isn't fair. And, uh, I, I we'll see, but I, like, I think I would probably rather be an 11 if you gave me that. Um, I think th I genuinely situation. feel that way. So, yeah. So, and, I mean, that's, what's funny is then there's not really any difference between being a six then or an 11, right? I mean, yeah. unless you're in the play in play in game, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like, I think you want to at least try to get at least a seven seed and, the thing I think is six that, seed would be best case for this team. Oh, yeah. Maybe five seed if they won the Mountain West and like they also like they win these two and they win the Mountain West tournament. Yeah, I think that I would even say that I, I like I, I would not bet on it, but I think you could play a game here where you like add up all of these wins and they're all going to be quad one to two wins. Say you you know what would it take me? What would it mean going like five and zero? Oh? Yeah, that's how. Five and zero, right? So you get like five quad one to two wins, and you already you're have a twenty-seven 10. win team at that point. You're a twenty-seven win team. You only have four losses, 
And there's a good chance maybe that UNLV's moved you out of uh, the quad three territory, especially because this is another thing that I think people don't really think about sometimes. When you're doing well, you're also boosting the strength of schedule of your other teams. You know, like mm-hmm. you're all of a sudden you become a quad one win or quad one win or loss for that team when you keep moving into the top 30 or this and that. And um, you doing well boosts all the teams that you're playing too. So that's another big thing. But um, yeah, I mean, if you just, if you got the 27 and four, uh, I mean, I don't think a like four seed would be totally crazy. I wouldn't bet on it, but again, we're getting way too, way too far ahead of things. And I just, right now I just hope they at least get in, but um, yeah, I mean, probably, you're probably talking like a five, like you said. Uh, but if you got the 27 and four and had that great situation, who knows? And I do think that right now they're probably like, one went away from being at least a seven. Um, I think I right now they're that. that. I think right now they're like an eight, probably. I mean, they're de- they're deserving of being more, but um, probably like an eight. And I think if you win two to three more games, that's when you're getting into that six territory and maybe a five if you do even better. So I'm excited, man. I'm just I'm pumped. It's been way too long since we've had a team that had this type of expectations and then lived up to it and yeah. just gave CSU fans something to generally feel right. happy and proud about. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like we were talking about, there's been some really good teams that have come through here and I, lo- I loved all those teams too, but there's just something special about this group and where you really just want them to do well along with selfishly wanting your school to win and all that, you know, this is just a, a team that really deserves success and, I mean, especially after they had their hearts broken last year and everything, too. Like, let's get these guys in, and ideally with a good seed. I'm going to have to find... There's a video, because we were doing a Selection Sunday live show last year. Oh, God. And I was like, I didn't want to do it, because I knew, like, I was pretty... They were going to, like, be just short Yeah, yeah, after they lost that Utah State game, pretty much. And I, I can't remember who it was. It was either like it was either Wichita State or Syracuse. I those were the two teams I knew. I was like, if they get bids, then CSU isn't going to mm-hmm. get one. And I would put Louisville on that too. And then Louisville obviously was the team left out ahead of CSU. But there's like a moment. I think it was Syracuse gets the bid, and I'm just like, just yeah. slump down into the chair, and oh, they're yeah. just like, uh, sorry, JM. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah. but. At least it, uh, uh, it just, should be a little less stressful this time around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, oh, man, it'll be so fun. And, I mean, I think, I mean, you know this, obviously. You guys that work, you do it, everything with David Roddy. But, I mean, he's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger on the national landscape in these next few weeks, I think. Uh, he's already up to, I think, like 37th on ESPN's NBA draft big board. Um, he's, he's, like... It, the nation's just noticing what this guy can do, I think. Uh, and he's so freaking fun. Like he could be an MCA tournament kind of guy that everybody just gets around and, you know, wants totally, to watch. Yeah. And, like so nobody had watched CSU I, and they just turn on Roddy and they're like, this seems right. fun as hell. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, Oh, well, I see Isaiah Stevens is really good too. Or wow. They got all these guys and Nico Medved, such a great coach. So I think that they're, Assuming that they get in in this nap, like I think they're going to get a lot more national recognition in the next few weeks and um, open a lot of eyes, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Hell yes. Can't wait, man. (laughs) 
thank you for coming on the pod. It was, it was great to to talk with you in a in a format that was more than just text, you know. So it's it good yeah. nice to put a face to the Twitter avatar. Absolutely, man. I lo- like I said, I love the work you do and love having me. Uh, love that you had me on and everything. And let's do this again sometime. Like you said, maybe football or maybe if TSU keeps making this run in the tournament, etc. Yeah, dude. Anytime. I like I said, anybody that wants to talk Mountain West hoops and is knowledgeable, that is right up my alley. So I'm, good, I'm down for it. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.